Every year, the editors from Wards evaluate the newest engines and propulsion systems from the world's top automakers. Then they pick what they believe is the best of the best, from V8s to battery electrics to fuel cells. On this week's show, they announce which engines made the list and why they were chosen. Underwriting for the production of Autoline this week has been provided by RSM. challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax, and consulting for the middle market. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. Today we're going to be talking about engines. In fact, we're going to be talking about the 10 best engines. In fact, we're going to be talking about Ward's 10 best engines. We'll get into what I'm talking about here in just a minute. Let me introduce my panel to you. Tom Murphy, Drew Winter, and Bob Gritzinger, all from Ward's. Great having you guys here. Thank you. We've been doing this for a number of years now. It's always a highlight of the year for me to be able to interview you about how you go out and evaluate the best engines. But Tom, you're no longer just calling it engines no, anymore. No, 10 best engines and propulsion systems. Uh, General Motors re renamed their entire powertrain division propulsion systems. Uh, we're finding automakers uh, consistently spending um, resources on electrified vehicles, uh, hybrids, in some cases, uh, hydrogen fuel cells, we have to recognize that the industry is changing, which creates some very dynamic challenges for automakers because you got to still spend money on internal combustion engines because they're occupying the vast majority of what people are actually buying today. But you can't ignore electrification and vice versa. You can't go all in on electrification because you got to have, you got to still stay where the market is. So anyway. So, so engines is too piston kind of oriented. Propulsion is the new technology. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, internal combustion. Uh, we, we had four cylinder, six cylinder, eight cylinder engines in this year's competition. Now there's only clear. We're not giving up on engines here. Yeah. The piston version. We're <laughs> well, just adding propulsion. And, and it turned out that, I mean, we've had uh, at least three or four electrified vehicles on the list now for a long time. I mean, starting with maybe 20 years ago when he had the Toyota Prius. 2001 when the Prius made the list. That was the first electrified powertrain. And ever since then, it's been battery electrics and fuel cells and hybrids and plug-in hybrids. And, so it's yep. not a totally new thing. It's we just decided to recognize the fact that we're... Well, they're becoming ever more yeah. important, yeah. Now, yeah. not just a fringe kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So we only have three of you here. I know there's much more of the ward staff that are involved in this. How do you go about evaluating these engines? Well, so there's eight of us, and um, we're driving the vehicles in Detroit on public streets uh, in the months of October and November. And we're only evaluating the all-new engines uh, or the significantly improved re-engineered engines. Um, and the field, so, so the field this year was 26 powertrains. Uh, that's including last year's winners up against everything that was new this year. So um, we had four return winners from last year, uh, plus then you know, the rest of them that are new. And how do you evaluate these? What do you go through? 
we're out there driving on on regular highways. Uh, it's you know, to the engineers, it drives them crazy because they want more specific. Uh, you know, you should be able to measure everything. You should have a grid, a spreadsheet that you know charts every point. Well, for us, it's yes, it's horsepower and torque and. Uh, noise, vibration, and harshness. You know, how is it a pleasant sound or is it off-putting? Is there is there a lot of vibration in the steering wheel? Technology. We're all about recognizing what new technology is on board, and we've got two winners that we can talk about that have some really fascinating internal combustion technology, um, and then observed fuel economy. Very important to us, and that's that's. So you're looking at this more like. People who buy the vehicles, yeah, right? We're be yeah. evaluating. Them. We're not consumer reports, and we're not like an you know uh, enthusiast publication either. We're looking at more. One of our key, um, you know, our key criteria is: does the engine or does the the propulsion system help sell the car? I mean, do people go? And examples of that would be everything from you know something like a you know a V8 Mustang to uh, a Toyota Prius or whatever. Uh, th that those are very compelling, um, you know. Uh, value propositions to the people. And it's buying. important to note that there's a price cap. So our competition is base price capped at $65,000. With options, it, it can creep above that in some cases, but 65000 is our cap. And we've already had quite a few discussions among the staff about should, you know, do we need to raise it up seventy or 75000 perhaps because of some of the electric vehicles coming in that are you know from Audi and, and so forth. To, to try to get more of those vehicles under the cap. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about it. Part of me feels like, hey, if you're spending sixty or $65,000, you should be able to get a, you know, a groundbreaking electric vehicle. So, uh, yeah. yeah. We have On to the decide. other hand, there are you know federal programs to support electrified vehicles, and we don't take that into account right now. So yeah. we've discussed some of that possibility, but it but it is things like you know how does how does the engine run off the line? Uh, does it give me good power from forty five to sixty? Those key measures that people feel in day to day driving. What does it sound like at idle? You know, hmm. right. So. Well, I see in the, the finalists this year include one V8 engine, four different six-cylinder engines, four different four-cylinder engines, one battery electric vehicle. Let's get into some of those. And let's start with the V8. I mean, there's only one on the list. Bob should be more. Yeah. Oh, oh, I feel like there should be more. And the one that's missing is the bullet. But, uh, you know. The Mustang V8 bullet. Yes, we, we talked about uh, the, the differences in Mustangs and whether you can put two Mustangs on the list. But, but the V8 that is on here uh, is the Corvette, the small block V8 6.2 mid-engine uh, dual clutch So this is the, the, the engine in the new mid-engine C8 Corvette. Exactly, yep. exactly. And, you know, it's, it's hard to argue with that application. They've just done tremendous work. And it's not just taking the engine from the front of the car and stuffing it in the middle. They did all kinds of engineering work with the intake, with the sump. The sump. Uh, I mean, the DCT alone is a marvel, the Tremec DCT. So... Uh, yeah. 490 horsepower, or 495 if you spring for the Z51 performance package, 465 pound-feet of torque, or 470 if you get the sport exhaust. And mm -hmm. you know, we drove the the lower level one, the you know the 490 and 
465 and just uh, found it absolutely thrilling. You know, zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds. And um, I was shocked at, at how tame it sounded. I was expecting this roar from behind me when we were driving it. And it was, it was really an enjoyable daily driver, you know, from a sound standpoint. I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, and, uh, you know, to be clear, it's a Corvette. And, and in this case, fit under our price cap. Just on Five yeah. grand. Yeah. Five grand under our price cap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Very interesting. So the, the one V8, and maybe that's a sign of the trend of where things are going. Fewer and fewer V8 engines being yeah. made. Well, yeah. Uh, it, to that point, the, you know, the V8s that we did consider that didn't make the list, the Nissan Titan 5.6 liter V8, uh, you know, it's, it's not raising the bar among pickup truck uh, engines. Uh, the other uh, GM V8 that didn't make the list is related to the Corvette engine. It's the 6.2 liter with that dynamic fuel management, that 17 mode cylinder deactivation. Very sophisticated, amazing technology. That made our list last year. This year, you know, the brother engine comes along in the Corvette. Um, same displacement, similar technology uh, without the, you know, the 17 mode cylinder deactivation. And for us, it was a no-brainer that the Corvette needed to be on the list instead of, but both of those GM V8s, very strong. And then, of course, yeah, the bullet yeah, didn't make it. the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to six-cylinder engines. And what I find so interesting here, you've got engines from BMW, Mercedes-Benz, GMC, and Fiat Chrysler. But three of those four engines are inline six cylinders, not V6s, inline. I, I thought inlines were going to go by the wayside 20 years ago. What's going on here? Why, why is the inline so popular? Well, there's a lot of different reasons. I mean, it starts out with the fact that the inline engine is, is uh, you know, perfect balance. Um, but one of the reasons um, that uh, uh, it was uh, phased out was because they were difficult to package. So that's another they're so long because they're so long. So now they figured out new ways to package them. We can go into other things, but uh, grits. What else? Well, I mean, take for instance the Mercedes uh, i6 um, because they have added 48 volt technology and an integrated starter generator. They can remove the alternator and all of the ancillary equipment uh, on all those belts from the front of the engine. Saves them all that packaging space. And you get this just super smooth stop-start, uh, and that's just—I mean—that's one example of how these inline sixes have have come back to the fore. And if you not to get too technical, but I mean, if you have one cylinders all in a line, then you only need like two camshafts mm. for instead of you know four for different cylinder banks. Yeah. You can use one turbocharger much more efficiently. Uh, than having two, which are expensive and take up a lot more space. Mm -hmm. We were excited to hear that Mercedes was, you know, was coming out with an inline six. We're like, okay, we're going to have BMW and Mercedes going head to head on something that BMW, I mean, they've owned that whole segment of high output turbo inline six cylinders that run really smoothly and efficiently, tons of power, so enjoyable to drive. And Mercedes just nailed it, you know. Not only did they, did, did they, um, to some extent, match the BMW performance, uh, but they also integrated 48 volt for you know, for great fuel efficiency. So we got uh, 20, like low 20 miles per gallon in a big five-passenger Mercedes GLE, which is 
basically the new M-Class. So you think of a vehicle that size at that fuel Pretty economy. Pretty good size SUV. Yeah, yeah, yeah good numbers. Right. Uh, and on the other side of it, the BMW, the M340i, uh, that, I mean, there was almost no discussion about whether that engine belonged on the list. Um, there have been 10 six-cylinder turbos from BMW that have made our list since 2007. Those are all gasoline, turbocharged, inline engines. Um, so they have a great history with, you know, with, with these engines. The engine that made the list last year, you know, the B58 engine from BMW, made 335 horsepower. And now in this M340i, 382 horsepower. So in the span of one year, they took a great engine, gave us 47 more horsepower. So it just illustrates how automakers, you know, how rapidly they are refreshing their product. Uh, they might have a perfectly good engine, but they found ways to do something even better. So, you know, talking about fuel economy, we were getting 25, 26 miles per gallon in that 3 Series with 382 horsepower, which is just outrageous, I think. Yeah. yeah. So you've mentioned 48 volts. We've got it both on the Mercedes-Benz inline six and with the Ram pickup truck 3.6 liter V6. Are, are we going to be seeing more 48 volt systems coming in the future? Yeah, I think. Absolutely, uh, and in mostly driven by first the European market where efficiency standards are demanding that they bring that level of electrification. And quick, explain, what, what does 48 volt do? 48 volt gets you uh, some fuel efficiency. Primarily, it gets you really smooth stop-start systems. Because it's, so it's an electric-electric motor right. that's and attached to the piston. Head. Either it's, either it's uh, attached at the transmission end or it's a belt system as in the, the RAM. And in fact, we have two examples with our 10 best list. The RAM is a belt 48-volt system while the Mercedes incorporates an integrated starter generator right into the transmission. And the RAM so. also puts a battery behind the second row seats, right? right. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, we'll see as these proliferate in other markets, they may as well bring them to the U.S., give us that same efficiency, as well as uh, things like, you know, some low-end torque, uh, some gliding capability at speed, uh, some shift smoothing, uh, a lot of benefits to 48 volt without going to a higher voltage hybrid system. And, and so they're also called mild hybrids, right? And and the whole idea is that they just give a mild boost, but they're much less expensive. So they do actually their their benefits really are are outweigh their their, yeah. their cost. So yeah, in the case of the Ram, our test vehicle was forty three thousand dollars. Now, if if you're buying a dedicated hybrid pickup truck price is going to be higher. It, it's going to be higher than that. So it, it is a very affordable way to get some fuel efficiency into these uh, very challenged segments like full-size trucks. I also see, uh, talking of inline six-cylinder engines, there's a diesel on there. The GMC Sierra has a three-liter inline diesel. First, I thought inline sixes were going away, and now you guys have got a diesel. I thought diesels were dead, but apparently not. Yeah, well, what's really significant, this particular year is finally the time that we had all three major truck producers here in Detroit uh, with light-duty diesel engines in the marketplace. All of them three liters, two of them were V6s, and, and the one from General Motors was the inline six. We tested all three of them, and we really enjoyed them all. Um, in my opinion, the Ram uh, engine was a bit more uh, noisy. It was louder than the others. Uh, 
the, the Ford engine is, is good, but the fuel efficiency wasn't as good. It, what it came down to it for me was that the GM engine was far superior in terms of fuel efficiency. Observed fuel efficiency, we were, we were pushing 25 miles per gallon, while with the other vehicles, it was low 20s. Um, and um, yes, you're going to pay a premium for the diesels. That's you know that's a challenging aspect of it because um, they're expensive. Yeah, you're going to pay. In this case, it's uh, twenty three, twenty four hundred dollars uh, above the cost of the V8, you know, the gasoline V8. So you got that. You know, you have to factor that in plus the cost of the fuel. So I mean, the business case to make for diesels is is difficult. But if you're if you're owning a pickup truck for the purpose of towing your jet skis or your boat up north and you're going to be going steady state, I mean, it, it really is worth the money. And uh, we, we just found that the, that the Chevy engine was, it was great. The last point is that uh, towing is really important. And the GM engine actually tows less than both the Ford and, and the Ram. So we kind of looked at it as, okay, GM settled at about 9,300 pounds as what you can tow with that vehicle, while with the Ram you can tow 12,000. And 12, 5, so yeah. GM decided, let's go with the fuel efficiency instead of the really high towing capability. And I think it was a smart move. Mm-hmm. It's smooth. That's a smooth diesel too. Yep. We also had another diesel on the list that uh, Tom didn't mention. Go ahead. The uh, the Mazda. Uh, 2.2, right? Didn't make the list. Didn't yeah, make the list. It was a nominee. It was a nominee. Um, and so interesting that we had four total diesels to test this year. Yep. So probably, diesels were going away. Yeah, so not probably much of a future for diesels in cars, but still certainly for light-duty light duty vehicles and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. There's still benefits there. Yeah. Okay, four four cylinder engines. Mm-hmm. What jumps off me off the list is uh, Three of them are turbos. This must be the way that four cylinders are going. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you've, you're basically replacing most of the six cylinders out there, you know, with four cylinders. So in the competition this year, we had 13 four-cylinder engines out of 26. That's half the field, you know, was four cylinders. And we had six six-cylinder engines. So uh, clearly downsizing is, is a thing. And um, for a huge segment of the market. So... Uh, everything that was mid-size car, like the Honda Accord and the Toyota Camry and all those, they used to have six-cylinder, and now they're all relying on four-cylinder power. Uh, and then same if you if you step into the you know the the mid-size CUV market, uh, such as the Chevy Equinox, um, you know the Honda CRV, all those all those vehicles, they don't they don't need six-cylinder power, especially when you have these high-output turbos. And even naturally aspirated, some of these four-cylinder engines are more than capable for vehicles that size. That's kind of the meat of the market, the mid-size CUV segment. So that's that's why four-cylinders are so popular. We just had such a tremendous variety of four-cylinders as well, you know, from the the two-liter two Atkinson cycle four-cylinder in the Honda Accord all the way up to the high-performance 2.3-liter turbo four in the Mustang. Yep. Uh, and in between, a variable compression two-liter four-cylinder in the Nissan Altima. Uh, but the one of the best was the Hyundai 1.6-liter. Um, what made it so good? That Continuously variable valve duration. There's you one. Know, this yeah. is, so this is the first, this is the world's first engine 
that, uh, that uses a very sophisticated camshaft with lobes that actually rotate independent of the shaft itself, meaning that you can change the length of time that the valve is, the intake valves are staying open. Which no one has ever done before. No one's ever done it before. Uh, And the the mechanism that makes it all happen, uh, hopefully they can, you know, hopefully your crew can uh, can add in a video to show it. It's it's pretty remarkable what it does, but um, ultimately you're getting, you're getting, um, you have the ability to change with every single cylinder how much air is going in. I mean, not just a whole bank at a time, but cylinder by cylinder, it can determine exactly how much air is needed in the intake valve uh, based on your throttle input, based on your driving conditions. Are you going uphill? Are you going downhill? Is it steady state? And it's, I mean, it's fascinating technology that really works. In our case, we, we were getting 37 miles per gallon in a, in a Hyundai Sonata. Not, not a hybrid. Not a hybrid, and it's turbocharged. And this is a 1.6-liter engine in a good-sized car that moves it with total confidence. Yeah, and that's right. We tested engines as small as 1.3 liters right this year. And uh, there's, there's a lot of motorcycle engines bigger than those, you know. <laughs> and um, yet each one, the, 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 Hyundai, the Hyundai engine was, was really strong, and then the other one we tested in the uh, Jeep Renegade was, was also surprisingly powerful. And then only one strong hybrid, uh, the Honda Accord. Right. As you mentioned, Bob, it's Atkinson cycle. Uh, why was it the only hybrid that made it? We only had two that were in the field, so that one... Because these are all new and or yeah, major yeah, yeah, and, or, and, and, or, or returning. Yeah, yeah, and so this is probably a good time to explain how the field gets crafted each year. As, as I mentioned, it's, it's all the new stuff up against what won last year. But each year, as you know, development cycles move kind of from, you know, from year to year, from month to month for automakers. So uh, for some automakers, this may have been a trough year where they didn't have a ton of new stuff right now. Um, the company that brought us the most this year was Hyundai. Hyundai had six, six entries, uh, which is a lot. And it's not, it wasn't just, you know, some warmed over product or mildly refreshed. They had three clean sheet engines. I mean, clean sheet from the ground up, whole new block, whole new head, intake, everything, uh, valve train, all of it completely re-engineered. And so that, that engine that I was telling you about with the with the uh, continuously variable valve duration, uh, that that engine, and then there's there's a naturally aspirated version of it, and then there's a 2.5 liter version. All, I mean, those are three brand new internal combustion engines coming from one company at the same time that Hyundai is also investing in, you know, the Kona EV and the hydrogen fuel cell, and uh, you know, it's it's just encouraging to see them. They they are playing the whole field. In fact, well, let's talk about the Kona EV because it was the only battery electric that made your 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 best list here. Yeah. Why why did it stand out above the others? Well, we had um, at least the our experienced range was higher. Uh, it's, uh, the Kona is uh, almost in a dead heat with the uh, Chevy Bolt in terms of overall range. The Bolt, which we also tested this year. Um, added what 20 miles or something to 21 it. miles, 21 so, miles. Right. so yeah the yeah. bolt was uh, was rated at 259 right and the kona ev was 258 yeah uh and the bolt got that extra mileage uh based on changes to the battery chemistry you know some some clever engineering there to you know to get more range 
help to alleviate, uh, you know, range anxiety and such. But uh, but so so they were both pretty evenly matched. But but we really did like that Kona. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a horse race, but I think there were just a few things that the Kona just did a little bit better that uh, that we liked. Smooth, quiet, power delivery, and I think the range. And what? Did it, over it, the top. It, it passed our, our burnout test. With it did, yeah. I, I actually squawked the tires <laughs> repeatedly. I mean, not, not like... Not just uh, at launch. It, like, yeah. <laughs> in one launch, in one run, I'd squawk them, and then two seconds later again, and then almost like a step gear transmission. You know, it was it was the darndest thing, and I did it a number of times. <laughs> People are going to ask, why no Tesla on the list? Yeah, it's a fair question. I would love to have a Tesla on the list. I would love to have a Tesla for us to test. Um, That's the issue. You just yeah. can't get... Uh, I mean, we're to, here in Michigan. They're on the West Coast, and it doesn't seem like Tesla has a whole lot of interest in us. Uh, in you know, media outlets in the Midwest for whatever reason. Um, but, uh, you know, hey, the door's open. I would love to have Tesla involved. Um, we've reached out, um, you know, especially with the Model 3 being available um, in higher volume now. Uh, well, also, that was the first one that really fit under our Tesla. Yeah, right. price. Yeah, yeah, the Tesla Model S was too expensive. The Model Y would fit, right? Yeah, that not comes, sure. So. No, it's too expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's more pricing yeah, on that. Yeah. Well, that's huh. interesting. I, I, I'm sure you're going to see a whole lot more battery electrics yeah. on this list yeah. as more and more of them start to come out now, I think as long as they're gonna, not too expensive. I think yeah. you're going to see more and more of them on the roads, yeah. and, and that's, that's where you know, we're watching that whole internal combustion electrification tipping point, and when does that come? And that's, that's going to play a big part in all of our discussions of these powertrains. Yeah, I, yeah, because he, like the Jaguar I-Pace, uh, that was another one that, that we, we, we were able to test, but it was just, uh, it was, uh, again, it, it was too expensive for our mm -hmm. price gap. Yep. Yeah, the e-tron. Yes, right. The Audi e-tron will be yeah. too yeah. expensive well, as well. Well, in just uh, around the corner, there's going to be a lot of EVs coming out that are not quite that expensive. Yeah, right. exactly. mm -hmm. I've heard that there's something coming from Ford. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you heard right. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that, we're going to wrap this up. But I want to thank all three of you. Tom Murphy, Drew Winner, Bob Gritzinger, thanks for explaining how you came to Ward's 10 Best. Thanks, John. Underwriting for the production of Autoline this week has been provided by RSM. Prepare for challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax and consulting for the middle market.